Please do turn tonight to Hebrews and chapter 12 to part of our Bible reading and we shall look shortly at verses 14 and 15. Our subject tonight is bitterness or blessing, bitterness or blessing. It's a choice. We can either have one or the other. We won't have both, bitterness or blessing. Why do we allow the root of bitterness to get into our hearts and to shed or to yield its troublesome fruit in our lives? It's damaging fruit. It's been my experience over coming up to 40 years of being a Christian that in my own life and watching and observing others that this is a very great danger. I can think of people down through the years. Their whole Christian life has been stunted. Growth has disappeared and gone into reverse. And all their joy and blessing has evaporated. Perhaps worse than the removal of joy personally and the stunting of growth is that this is a contagious problem. If somebody has bitterness, one person has bitterness, as we shall see in our text, it spreads, it affects others, and that's my experience. And it can affect a church, schism, division, can occur. Well, this has been on my heart to speak about for some time. I don't have anyone in mind here. I don't have any particular church in mind This is something to deal with before it becomes a problem. Bitterness or blessing? Well, I want to look at three passages that deal very specifically with this matter. Usually it's caused, bitterness is caused by some hurt, some pain that you carry in life, caused by another or by circumstances or even by your biological and physical makeup there is some hurt some deficiency something we're lacking that we really really want or something we have and we don't want usually a hurt bitterness has been described as an acid that eats away at one's soul if there is the drip 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 perhaps an illustration just at the beginning one of my relatives had bowel cancer some years ago and he had to have a major operation but the surgeon didn't quite seal up the stomach and there was a leakage of fluid and they didn't discover it for several weeks and the acid from his stomach drip drip dripped until further surgery was required to cut out the hole to stitch it up and to deal with the problem where the acid had dripped from the stomach. I'm not a doctor or medical, I might have the terms wrong. But that was the effect. Drip, drip, drip. And that's the same with bitterness. Bitterness causes damage, not just to oneself, but very rapidly to others. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. The context as we read it is sanctification. The writer to the Hebrews is explaining that we must keep a straight path. He says so in verse 13 of chapter 12. Make straight paths for your feet. Don't get distracted. 
Don't turn to the left or to the right. Have a straight course. Look straight ahead. He says that we could get turned out of the way. If we have a problem, if we turn to the left or the right and don't keep that straight course, we could have a problem. Well, here's verse 14. I want to look at this verse and notice five things in verses 14 and 15. This is the main teaching tonight. We'll refer to two other verses briefly. And so here's an exhortation. It's a command. Follow peace with all men. The word follow means to chase after, to pursue something very very important. There is a very similar verse in Romans twelve eighteen. Don't need to turn to it, but it says, "As far as it lies within you, follow peace with all men." Well, we could just think that was other believers. Maybe that just applies to the church, but no, it says all men, people in your workplace, men, women, children, relatives other believers, as far as it lies within you. And if all of us followed that, there would always be peace because we would deal with sin. We would deal with the things that cause offence. Follow peace with all men and holiness. The word for holiness could better be translated sanctification. Follow peace with all men and pursue sanctification without which no man shall see the Lord. It doesn't mean if you're not holy you won't see the Lord. None of us are holy. But unless you are progressing in sanctification, which will be a mark of grace, no one will see the Lord. This is sobering. Are you going to go to heaven? Are you going to know the face of the Lord when you see him? If you don't have holiness, you will not see the Lord. And you won't have holiness unless you follow peace with all men, unless you deal with sin, deal with bitterness. So the first thing to notice, there is a duty. This is not optional. It's a duty. Follow peace with all men. And it's repeated, there's a further exhortation in verse 15. Look diligently. Once you've followed peace and you're pursuing sanctification, you will be looking. This is the word for self-examination. Look into your heart. Ask yourself some questions. Is the bitterness in my heart tonight? Is there something that I don't like? Some burden, some words that were said to me? Some circumstance that I just don't like? Well, look into the heart, looking diligently. And now there's going to be two warnings, a duty to follow and to look, and then two words, lest. If you don't do these things, something bad will happen. Here's the first warning. If you don't follow holiness... If you don't look diligently into your life to see if there's any bitterness, then here's the first thing that will happen. The first problem. You will fail of the grace of God. That literally means falling short. You will not experience the blessings of being in the faith. They'll be taken away from you. 
If you have bitterness in your heart, if you don't search your heart to see if that root is there, you will fall from the smile of God and from his kind and tender care for you. Bitterness and blessing, they don't sit together. It's one or the other. So there's the first warning. You will fall short, looking diligently lest any man fall short of the grace of God. Second warning, lest, oh, not just a seed, not just an offence caused, but it's taken root. Now this has started to grow. There's reproduction. We've given it the soil in our heart. And this isn't good seed. Whatever it is in your life, in my life, we've allowed it to grow. And it's doubled, tripled in size. It's taken hold, it's incubated. The expression used here is any root of bitterness springing up. Up until now it was all underneath the ground. But you begin to see there's now a stem coming from the root springing up and the first consequence there's going to be two it's going to trouble you that thing that you've been chewing over and over in your mind you've replayed the record or the tape or the cd with the voice in your head of that conversation again and again and again it's taken root you've analyzed it this way that way And the root of bitterness has taken hold and it's sprung up. That's the first trouble. Now let's look at the second. This is worst of all. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail or fall short of the grace of God and blessing is removed, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. That's personal. Look at this. And thereby many be defiled. Oh, just imagine it. Somebody in a church. Oh, they said something to me. They told me I didn't do this very well. Or they came straight up to me after a service and they really offended (coughs) me. And do you know what I did? I went and told my friend. And then my wife. And then my family. That's six people so far. It spread Many are defiled. Suddenly we start to think badly of that person. If it's a serious issue, we've just reproduced the bad seed. Look at verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person. Don't think this is a small thing. This wasn't just a few words spoken out of season. The writer to the Hebrews calls it fornication and profanity, bitterness. This is really, on a sin list, one of the top, top things. Why is it so bad? Well, because it doesn't just defile us. It's one of those sins that's ahead of a family and it's got many relatives associated with it. What does bitterness lead to? It leads to gossip. It leads to cover-up, it leads to excuses, and so on and so on. Well, that's Hebrews 12. Let's turn back to Deuteronomy 
in chapter 29. Really this verse has to be looked in conjunction with the passage that we've looked at in Hebrews. Because in many ways it's a reference back to Deuteronomy 29. And we'll read from verse 15. In fact, from verse 14. There's a quaint expression here, but you'll see how it ties together with Hebrews 12. Let's read from verse 14. Moses is speaking. He's coming to the end of his life. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath. Verse 14. He's speaking to all of the children of Israel. But with him that standeth here with us this day before the Lord our God. God is involved in this covenant. It's not just between me, Moses, and you. And also with him that is not here with us this day. Who's not here? Well, is that a reference to the Holy Spirit? Is it a reference to God himself? Or is it a reference to others we don't know? For ye know how we have dwelt in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the nations which ye passed by, and ye have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which were among them. The context is idolatry, profanity, abomination in Old Testament terms. Now, here's the key verses. Let verse 18. Lest, that's the third one tonight, lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, idolatry, abomination, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. We don't quite know what that plant is. It's called, you might have a margin, a bitter plant, an oil, oil, a plant that yielded some form of oil, a bitter oil. If we turn to Deuteronomy 32, there's another reference to it, verses 32 and 33. I think this becomes even clearer. Deuteronomy 32, and just two verses, 32 and 33. This is an analogy, it's a picture, but the same reference really is used. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Notice the strong language being used in connection with bitterness. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. Do you get the picture? The reference Moses was making in the Old Testament was the children of Israel had been faithless. They had served and worshipped other gods. He had called them back. He gathers them together and he says, don't go back there. That bitter plant that grew up inside you, the wormwood and the gall. That's really what Hebrews 12 is speaking about. This root of bitterness that can grow up inside us. Moses knew them 40 years. He knew what their tendencies and temptations are. 
just as the Lord knows us. Have you ever experienced bitterness in your life? I'm going to give you some very broad examples a little bit later. I think if we're honest, all of us have been through times when we have been bitter, when the gall and the wormwood, the root that leads to a fruit of bitterness, has given its fruit. Jealousy is very often associated with this. Envy. We typically make foolish comparisons with people that are not the right benchmark. Our benchmark is the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. But very often bitterness creeps in when we compare and we shouldn't. Well, just one more text. Turn for a final text before we think of some applications to Ephesians chapter 4. There are not too many references directly to bitterness. We're looking at the major ones tonight. But the theme is consistent throughout the New Testament. Here we are. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4. Another solemn warning. This is the category which Paul, writing to the Ephesians, puts bitterness within. He says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed, given assurance, unto the day of redemption. He's going to start a sin list. Depending upon how you count them, there's six or seven sins mentioned in this list. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. What's the first on the list? Bitterness. What are the children of bitterness? Wrath, very often. Bitterness, you never have a gentle spirit with bitterness. It nearly always leads to the fruit of anger. Either one comes first or the other. Bitterness and anger, they're terrible twins. Anger and clamour and evil speaking. You see, bitterness can't stay within for long. We, we feel a compulsion to tell others the injustices that we have received. So-and-so said this to me. So-and-so took that from me. And now I have to tell Others, let all bitterness be put away. Get rid of it. With all the other things associated with it, wrath, anger, clamour, making a noise, making a commotion, and evil speaking. Look at verse 32. What a lovely contrast. Just to finish these two verses. And be ye kind. That's the antidote, isn't it? If you've got a bitter heart tonight, have the opposite. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Well, I want to come to seven areas that, in my experience, that may not be Accurate. There might be others that have got other departments of life, but I think there's at least seven areas of life where we have to be very careful 
that bitterness does not take root. Let me mention some of them and I have nobody in mind. The first, area department of life, circumstances of life. We all have different circumstances in life. Some are young, middle-aged, older, married, unmarried, bereaved, widowed, with children, without children. Maybe we have different circumstances. And our circumstances in life can be a cause of bitterness. We can say, I wish I was like that and not like this. Do you know we are where the Lord has put us? And we should be thankful. Thankful in all (coughs) things. We're commanded to be thankful and to rejoice at all times. That's the first category. The second, very obvious one, sickness, affliction. There are a number amongst us who carry afflictions through life. There are trials. They might be medical. They might be medical within the family. We bear these trials. Don't become bitter. That you have to bear or a loved one has to bear that trial and that affliction. What did we read in Hebrews? That these trials, these afflictions are for our good. The Lord sometimes uses them to chastise us, but not always. It's not always because of sin. A trial doesn't mean that we have sinned. It may be that the Lord is giving it as a blessing. The thorn in the flesh to buffet me, which Paul considered to be good for him. Sickness and affliction. Thirdly, these are all large categories. The sin of others. Is that the top of the list? People say, people do, people don't do, people don't say, and we become bitter. Hurts. Do you know we so often have a longer memory for the bad things that people say than the good things. When people give thanks, we quickly forget that. But sin has a long memory. The sin of others, the offences caused, the hurts caused that lead to bitterness. I've heard the expression said that such and such a person is a debt collector. They go through life and they have debts that other people owe to them. And they don't forgive those debts. They don't strike them off. There's no debt forgiveness. What about family issues? None of us choose our families, do we? You don't have to look too far as a pastor and you see that within every family there are difficulties. There are challenges. Those that perhaps have a different way of thinking. Perhaps a different way of raising their children and of making decisions. Some have dominant personalities. Some have different cultures. This can cause great resentment, bitterness, envy. What about position and promotion? Oh, bitterness because I didn't get there. I wasn't recognised. I wasn't promoted. I wasn't given that office. I wasn't given what I deserved. Resentful. 
of others that perhaps were undeservingly promoted, less qualified than you thought you were or you are. Sixthly, some, your disposition is you like to have control. Control over everything. Within the family that might be possible. Within the church it's not possible. You cannot have control over which way the chairs face for every meeting. You can't have control over everything. Within a church we have to learn submission to one another. When we can't get our own way, that often causes problems in churches. Bitterness. Oh, I don't like that. That person believes that and they impose it upon others. That causes resentment and bitterness. We want everything my way because my way is the only way. It's my way or the highway. No, that's not for the church of Jesus Christ. Seventhly, and then we'll move to some practical lessons. Sometimes believers pray and pray and pray and pray. The Lord is hearing but he's chosen not to answer yet. He's chosen not to answer in the way that you have determined that he should answer and when. Unanswered prayer. It's not that the Lord isn't hearing, oh no. He always hears. But his ways are higher than our ways. His timing is perfect. His ways are right. Well, These are just some of the departments in which all of us through life In fact, I dare say we might all experience some form of potential bitterness in all of these areas of life. How do we deal with them? Some practical lessons. Well, the first, and we can draw this from Hebrews 12, look diligently. Find the problem. Ask yourself the question, am I bitter? Am I beginning to get bitter? Am I being resentful? That's the beginning of bitterness. Is there something that I'm thinking about another person I shouldn't be thinking that? Because that's the beginning of bitterness. Look diligently, watch, notice, tend the garden of your soul. Secondly, pray. Pray about bitterness. Only the Lord can help you if there's a deep, bitterness pray and put it away we have an expression i've heard this quite often leave it with the lord it sounds very pious but i very often heard people say that i am just leaving that with the lord and then they go back again and again and again leave it means leave it leave it behind don't remember it don't go over it again leave it with the lord he knows He will answer. He will deal with the problem. Truth always comes out. Justice will be done in the Lord's economy. Pray, put it away, leave it with the Lord and leave it. Thirdly, we read this, forgive and forgive and forgive. Somebody asked me a very good question the other day. It's worthy of another Bible study. Is forgiveness conditional? Should we forgive if a person's not repentant? Well, I'll give you the quick answer. The answer is yes and no. 
Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It depends which situation, which relationship. But remember above all this, just remember what the Lord has forgiven us. And if the Lord has forgiven us everything which he has, if we're in Christ, can we not forgive one person for one root cause? Can't we forgive them seven times or 70 times seven? Can't we forgive them when their repentance is only superficial? We are tempted to make repentance a higher barrier than the Lord did for us. And that can't be right. Remember what you've been forgiven. But here's a more positive answer. If you're bitter, magnify your blessings. Drown bitterness in the ocean of God's love and kindness and mercy towards us. Fifthly, never spread hearts. Somebody's hurt and offend you, don't tell another person. Tell the Lord. Leave it with him. Try to forget it. Try to move on. Try to be insensitive to hurt as far as you can. Yes, if it's a serious matter, if it's happening too often and you know that person has hurt others and they'll continue to do so unless you go to them like Matthew 18 and you win the brother or win the sister by showing them their sin. But most of all, normally, just forget it. Look above it. Look beyond. Be the bigger person. Sixthly, take your thoughts captive. I know I've done this so often. You lay awake at night. You play that conversation over and how could they say that? That was so insensitive. They're so ill-informed. That's so careless. What a poor analysis. What conclusion they've cut. And before you know, it gets worse and worse and worse. No, take your thoughts captive. Take a psalm to bed with you and think on that. And seventhly, finally, always surrender to the sovereign will of God. God's way is best. Bunyan did he not say, what God says is best, is best. And if he says it's best, it's best for me. Because he knows what I need. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at your sickness and affliction or your family. The sin of others, family issues, lack of promotion, unable to be in control, an unanswered prayer and have bitterness. No surrender. This is God's will. If it's happened to you, I'm not saying fatalism. No, we believe in the sovereignty of God, that all things work together for good. So fatalism is just giving up. No, believing in the sovereignty of God is positively joining the dots to see how God is working these things out for good. Well, a verse of a hymn, the dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. Remember bitterness in Deuteronomy 29 was compared to idolatry. You're putting something in your heart 
that's going to get bigger and bigger and take the place of God. That's idolatry. And finally, remember that Christ has drunk the cup of the gall and the wormwood of bitterness. He's taken much, much worse bitterness than we will ever experience in our own souls. And so we can trust him in everything. Well, I trust these things will be of help to each one of us.